With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our Thursday episode. I hope I'm allowed to use that. I'm not going to get sued. Folks, you know what that is. You're all going to hum it now, all day long. The NCAA tournament starts today. Yes, it's the first four tonight. I know. But folks, there's a little nugget that we're going to mention when our interview with Brian Ralph coming up as to why you should pay attention to the first four. One of those teams might be important. It usually is. So excited. After a two-year hiatus, we have March Madness again, and it is an amazing feeling. Like Football was great. The college football season was fantastic, but it was also one we were just happy to get through. You just hoped your team could make it to the end, play as many games as possible, maybe get to a bowl game. It would be great. This just feels different. It's not perfect. Teams are going to be without players. I know Kansas won't have Jalen Wilson for the first couple of games. On Wednesday, we learned that Davian Harmon won't be able to play for Oklahoma in their first two games, assuming they get past Missouri in the first round. So it's not perfect, but we have it. And it's the first time in two years that we have been able to say we are going to have March Madness. We're filling out brackets. We're making plans. I am so excited. I am so excited. And of course, this show is loaded with March Madness. As I mentioned, Brian Ralph from Heat Check College Basketball to join us. We're going to talk about brackets, do some bracket advice, some picks to make, where's some good spots for upsets, why you should pay attention to the first four teams. Those games matter, or at least two of them usually do, or at least one of them usually does. Have some advice on on picking for the Big 12 teams. And then, of course, Daniel Alexander. Very excited to have our good friend from Grinders of Blinders on the show to talk about making bets this weekend against the spread over under just because a team is going to win doesn't mean that they're going to cover so you want to bet march madness we've got advice for you you just want to fill out a bracket we've got advice for you Got everything you need before the games really truly kick off in the first round on friday morning speaking of brackets we have a bracket pool a bracket challenge whatever you want to call it we are using the sleeper app for our bracket pool this year Link is easy to find. Go to our Twitter account at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. There is a tweet pinned to the top of our account that has the link. You are all welcome to join. If you follow us on Instagram and not on Twitter, at 1012pod, shoot me a DM. I will send you the link so that you can get signed in. We are going to have prizes for the top three participants. I've got prizes from Homefield Apparel and our good friends at Lazy Fair Coffee. Ethically sourced beans from around the world roasted right in the heart of DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth. I've got two bags of delicious Lazy Fair coffee uh, that we are going to be giving away in our bracket pool. In the meantime, if I might suggest to you coffee snobs, do us a favor. 
go visit lazyfaircoffee.com. L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R coffee. Go check out the five fantastic flavors they have there on the site. Grab you a bag or two. Don't forget the dry rub and the body scrub. Don't forget promo code 1012-T-E-N-1-2. Get you 10% off of your order. It's a great product. It's a great bag of beans. Great cup of joe. If you haven't tried it before, you should go try it now. And we're going to have two bags to give away. I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about our home field apparel prizes. So get yourself signed in for our bracket challenge pool, whatever it's going to be. It's the 1012 podcast pool. So we got bracket mania pool. Haha. I've got my bracket in there. Andy's got his. Jamie's got hers. Chris has his. Daniel has his. We've got some of our, our usual guests in there as well. Brian Ralph, he's in there. All right, Temkin, he's going to be in there. I'm excited for it. So go and get yourself registered. A couple pieces of news that we're going to talk about a little bit more next week. Uh, One of those being Oklahoma women's basketball coach Sherry Cole has announced that she has retired. Look, I know Oklahoma hasn't been as good the past few years, but there's no doubting what Sherry Cole has done. Six Big 12 regular season championships. Four Big 12 tournament championships. She took the Sooners to the Sweet 16 six times. Final four twice. Finished as a national runner-up one year. Again, I know the last couple of years haven't been great, but there is no arguing with how awesome Sherry Cole has been as the head coach at the University of Oklahoma. And that is not going to be a position that's going to be easy to fill or one we should be in a hurry to talk about filling, we should be honoring the legacy that was Sherry Cole, or that is Sherry Cole. Like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more, and Jamie's going to have quite a few things to say about it uh, coming up on our next episode on Tuesday. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, Other big piece of news, Iowa State has moved on from Steve Prohm. He's no longer the head coach of the men's basketball team. Nothing is official, but everything is pointing to former Iowa State assistant coach T.J. Otzelberger taking over the position. Uh, Former Iowa State multi-time assistant coach, former South Dakota State uh, head coach, current UNLV head coach. It's not a well-kept secret. I'm not sure how I feel about the hire. I could spend quite a bit of time on it. We'll probably spend some time on it uh, coming up on our next episode as well, but it is an important piece of information that we should be aware of. As for next week, usually we post on Monday and Thursday mornings at 6 a.m., but since the tournament is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday this year, Uh, There's a very good chance we will wait and put out our first episode of the week on Tuesday. We want to make sure we get as many of the games played before we come on and try and talk about things. Uh, Thursday will be when it's supposed to be. That'll be on Thursday. But next week's uh, Monday episode will probably come out on Tuesday. Before we get to our two fantastic interviews, we mentioned Home Field Apparel. But we've really got to stop here for a second and mention Home Field Apparel. The most comfortable, awesome, vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere more than a hundred different schools with the coolest logos on sweaters hoodies and t-shirts you will find anywhere that includes three big 12 schools iowa state baylor and the recent addition of texas tech plus schools like slippery rock memphis belmont bowling green yukon northern illinois hofstra Hawaii. They've got quite a few March Madness teams. I mentioned UConn, BYU, they're in. Colorado, they're in. Iowa, they're in. Winthrop, they got them. Syracuse, they're there. Maryland, yes sir, 
Florida State. Yep. So go to Homefield Apparel. If it's your first time buying, this is the best thing you could do. Use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, get 20% off your first order. All orders of $70 or more get free shipping right now. So grab yourself a couple things. Maybe you are a Baylor and a Texas Tech fan. Maybe you like Slippery Rock and San Diego State, Marquette and George Washington. Whatever you like, get a few things in the cart. Use the promo code 1012, 20% off your first order, and be rocking some awesome, super comfortable, vintage college sports apparel today. All right, Daniel Alexander, Brian Ralph, coming up right now. Let's get to it. The bracket is out. The tournament starts technically today. Thursday, we have the first four games, but reelings really get rolling on Friday this year as opposed to Thursday. That's all right. We have games. That's all that matters. But before we really dive into the brackets, which we're going to do here coming up, I am very excited to have our pro picker, Daniel Alexander, back on the show because we are going to talk betting lines. This is not who do you think wins the game because that's a very different thing here. We have to talk the betting lines. We've got to talk if you want to bet on these games, what should you look at? Daniel, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, great to be here, and what an exciting week. I've got my Friday, Saturday, Sunday just, you know, totally mapped out. My girlfriend knows I'm going to be glued to games and glued to firing on these bets, so it's it's great to be here as sort of a primer for everybody. I'm still debating trying to take off, like, at least the back half of Friday. Be like, you know what? I'm, it's not like I'm going to get any work done anyways, so right? live and stuff. Just get out of there. Just yeah. A little PTO, see you later. So I'm curious. This is, you know, the NCAA tournament's unlike anything else. It's not like conference tournaments. It's not like regular season. So what is your, what are some things people should know before they go into to betting NCAA tournament games? Maybe some, uh, some common misconceptions about betting in the tournament, or maybe some, some things that you have learned over the years. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just give two sort of basic ones. And these aren't, you know, there's no hard and fast rules like every single year, if you do this, you're going to win, you know, a betting sort of thing. Um, but w- one spot I really like a lot that that I look for and uh, is fading a trendy underdog. Uh, you know, you'll hear about, you know, it, it's fun for people to bet on a team that's plus 10 or plus 15 and and you'll get talking heads talking about how this, you know, little Cinderella school or the little school that could is going to be able to hang with this blue blood and you get everyone piling on and spots. I really like are, you know, when you get 55 or 60% of, uh, of the bets that are coming in are on this, this Cinderella team will say, you know, maybe a plus 12. And then the line even goes out to, 12 and a half or 13, you know, you're seeing that line on the favorite go out even bigger, even though people are piling up on the dog. I think that's a, that's a spot that I like to be in uh, betting against those trendy underdogs, especially in the first two rounds. So this first weekend, I'll be working the board. I'll be looking for those spots. Uh, I was explaining this on my Slack channel the other night, like, you know, there's there's so much it's very trendy these days in sports betting to talk about you know fade the public go against the public uh, you know but uh, that's just one piece you know of the puzzle you know if you're if you're cooking up you know a, a big card for the day that's just one ingredient you got to look for a lot of other things than just fade the public 
Yeah, I was going to ask about that because you know I looked at uh, just one game I'm looking at, and we're we're looking at the lines that are showing on ActionNetwork.com. Um, that's what we're going to start using moving forward. These are not a sponsor on the podcast, but if they'd like to be, they're welcome to be so. Uh, but the app is fantastic. We, I like to make, place my thoughts and bets on there. You do as well. Our good friend Chase Kitty, who comes on the show, does as well. So uh, if you uh, if you enjoy seeing lines for games, I would suggest you download the Action Network app or, or visit the website. So we're going to use that as our point of reference for lines um, against the spread here. Now, I don't have all the over-unders in front of me. It doesn't seem to show those at the moment. I've, I've got I've got plenty of them. So, you know, as we're going here, I can shout them out to you. Oh, here we go. There's the total. So I, I am curious here. Like, I'm going to use Virginia Tech, Florida as one. You know, Florida opened as a one-point favorite. Um, what's interesting to me is that that line has actually moved to – uh, or 63% of the money is coming in on Virginia Tech. So it, it's interesting to me, like in a situation like that, and this is this is action as you can set it as public betting. So the public number seems to be coming in on Virginia Tech's side pretty aggressively. If you see stuff mm-hmm. like that, is that how do you handle like, okay, well, everyone seems to, to really believe in Virginia Tech in this game. I believe in Florida. I, I, Virginia Tech, I think, has had some major COVID issues and pauses and things. So I'm not sure where, where that's coming from. I'm curious, is this a kind of a fade the public situation? How do you handle when you see that much of the, of, of the percentage of bets going towards one team? So uh, that plays perfectly into what I was just talking about. That's one ingredient, right? You're cooking up your card, man. You're figuring out the plays you're going to make. That, you know, we're seeing a spread percentage at 63% on Virginia Tech. That's just one piece of the puzzle. I'm going to want some other things now. Um you know, had that Florida line moved out to minus one and a half or minus two, and we had everybody, you know, on Virginia Tech, and maybe there's a lot of narrative this weekend. Maybe you start to hear a narrative of like, oh, you know, Virginia Tech is the team to watch out for, and then you dial it up, you take a look, and then you find out, hey, wait a minute, you know, Florida got steamed at Circa, Florida got hit hard at Bet Chris, something like that. Now, all of a sudden, things are falling into place where I'm going to really like Florida. And so that's, that's what I mean. When you're looking at numbers to, to you know, fade the public, so to speak, it's just it's so much bigger than that. There's five, six, seven things, you know, boxes that you want to check off and not just that spread percentage ticket. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you look for. Sort of that's the first indicator okay, I see some lopsided betting. Now let me go down the checklist and can we match up with four, five, six other points before I go ahead and fire a bet? Good to know. All right, so let's go through the Big 12 games, these first round games for the Big 12 teams and kind of get your thoughts on them. Um, We're going to kind of go in chronological order because it's the easiest way to to do this, uh, which means first up on Friday at 2.30 is Baylor versus Hartford. Um, Baylor opened as a a 25.5 point favorite. Um, I can see you can get that at 26 or Hartford at plus 26.5, depending on where you shop around. Uh, Over-under is 140.5, 141. At the moment, it looks like most of the percentage of tickets is coming on Hartford and the under 141 right now. What are your your thoughts on this? I'm I'm always intrigued with, you know, we always view one versus sixteen. Most of the time, those those are blowout games. You know, we've seen some close ones, but typically the one versus sixteen games are your blowouts. There, there's there's fewer of those the rest of the way than people think there are. But when it comes to one versus sixteen, sure, 
But in a, in a game like this where it's one versus 16 and the line is that big, is this just something you stay away from? Um, for the most part, yes. On this particular game, um, I don't have anything that excites me uh, when it comes to my work. But here are some things I'm going to look for. Uh, this line has been bouncing back and forth for two days, up to 27, down to 25 and a half. People brought it back to 26, now 26 and a half. There's action on both sides of this game. Uh, but what I am going to look for, uh, I'm going to see if that total keeps coming down. I would love if that total dropped sort of into the 139 and a half, 139, and I'm able to still get Hartford maybe out closer to that 27 number, then I'm going to start to get interested. Uh, I like, I like big dogs on these neutral courts in the first round where we can start to push that total down. So, uh, you know, a, a team like Baylor gets up 20, 22, and it's like Hartford, if you could just hang on and coast, you know, can you cover that big number? But Obviously, I think Baylor's going to win the game with a total in the 140s in the 25 and 26 range. I'd probably lean Baylor, but there's nothing I'm too excited about for betters out there. Watch the total. If you can grab a 27, roll with Hartford. Again, I'm not, I don't have a big crazy take. Baylor wins this game easily. On to the next round. Yeah, I am curious this year. Look, the ones were 16. I think the teams in the, the 14, 15, 16 spots this year are weaker than in years past. That's why I really don't see good one, two, or definitely not a one, but but two or three seed upsets in those first rounds. I am interested in how everyone playing in Indianapolis will, will affect things as opposed to Baylor maybe getting to play in Dallas or closer to home where fans can get to. And not that fans won't go to Indy, but I am curious with the everyone basically playing in Indianapolis, how that might affect some of these games early on. Again, Baylor doesn't need an advantage over Hartford. They're, they're going to be fine. Um, but I am curious to how that might affect uh, betting lines in some of these, these early opening games. Um, yeah, sure. I, I kind of agree. I think I'm waiting for that under to tick up to 140 and a half, 142. And I think I might hit that. I think Baylor's going to put up quite a few points. I don't think Hartford will score a ton, but I, I'm, I'm still waiting to see if that ticks up anymore. Um, okay, next up, Oklahoma State versus Liberty. This is a Friday. It's that first game of the evening games. So it'll be all by itself on TBS for a little while. OSU opened as a nine and a half point favorite. That is bet, bet down to just seven. Uh, you can get Liberty plus seven and a half. Uh, most of the money or percentage of tickets is coming in on Liberty <clears throat> over under. And this is kind of all over the map. It opened up at 146. This has been bet down a lot. Now you're looking at, at 142, 140 uh, with most of the tickets somehow coming in on what look like the over, which is interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this matchup here? Um, actually, right when the lines opened, I had all my books open as quickly as I could to fire on the under of, uh, on the app, you can see I grabbed pretty much as much as I was able to get down on 144. Uh, that's That was the number available to me once my books finally opened some stuff. You go and you take a look, you know, everyone has hit this under. Circa hit it today at 142.5. Sugar House hit it at 142.5. Uh, Bet Rivers are the ones that opened the 146. It got hit right away. But Sharps, I mean, you know, you could argue Circa's the sharpest guys on the planet firing right now. I think their limits got raised today and someone came back and hit it at 142 and a half. So that tells you people still like it there. Uh, 
pretty much 141, 140 and a half across the board. It's hard for me to say, you know, hey, I got 144, go bet 140 and a half. But if I was taking a bet on this game, you know, I, I would probably lean towards the under myself. Uh, there's a great, uh, for whatever reason, uh, that Oklahoma State coach is just so good on neutral courts to the under. I mean, this, this season as well, too. I, I think on neutral courts, Oklahoma State, uh, I think they've gone under every single game except for one. Uh, so I'd want just to jump in right away. And I think it's the same for the Liberty coach as well. That's why I had that game highlighted. So I'm rolling with the under. Whatever number you get, good luck. I don't love it right now, but I would still play it. Very good. <clears throat> I'll be honest. I, I mean, I think OSU wins this game. I liked Liberty plus nine and a half. Now that we're down to seven and a half, I I, I don't think I would I would touch the touch the spread line in this one. Um, I do like the under. I'll probably see how high I can get it. And I think the best right now is is one forty two and a half. So I'll keep an eye on that. Maybe it'll tick back up for me. And I probably should go ahead and grab it uh, now while we're recording this. Uh, so next one in line would be West Virginia and Moorhead State. I'm pretty sure I've missed a game in here. I did. We're going to go back up because I missed Texas Tech and Utah State. Trying to scroll things, man. Scroll things. Uh, Texas Tech opened as a four and a half point favorite. Pretty much hung around Texas Tech at, uh, at minus four and a half. You can get Utah State at plus five if you'd like. Over under open at 132 and a half. It's hung around there, 132 and a half, 131. Uh, it looks like majority, if you want the largest percentage of tickets, uh, percentage of edge would be the under on the 132 and a half in this game, uh, which makes sense. Texas Tech okay offensively, really good defensively. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? This is such an interesting matchup. Uh, his name escapes me, but Utah State, if I remember right, they, he's, they've had like maybe the best big man in college basketball. Uh, uh, I, this is going to be such an interesting game. I mean, the under is the first thing you think about here, uh, just with both how both these teams play defense but i've got a lot of stuff historically on utah state actually um it was up to five for a minute it came back down to four and a half today i'm going to be patient and hopefully i can get another five but texas tech is not a team that is impressing me in this first round and i think they have a bad matchup with utah state i don't want to sit here and say utah state's going to win the game straight up but um i like that texas tech's getting a little bit more of the tickets if Texas Tech can have more tickets and this line stays at four and a half or even ticks down to four, I mean, in my opinion, that's an auto fire on Utah State for this first round matchup. Uh, strong defensive team, great big that I think Texas Tech's going to have a lot of trouble with. And if we can have reverse line movement with Texas Tech getting more tickets, Utah State, baby, all day. Yeah, I think, again, I think I would probably hit the under in this one as well. That makes the most sense. I think Tech can score. But it's got to be somebody other than just Mac McClung. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I like the inner in this one. I think Texas Tech, I, I don't, look, I don't think there's a Big 12 team that will lose their first game. There's not a Texas, a Big 12 team that should lose their first game. But they're all knows? favored, right? Every, yes. All, every, all Big 12 teams, everyone's a favorite first round, right? I have two, lo- I, I, have, I have, I think there's going to be two losses and, and, Utah State, Texas Tech, I think is is one of the matchups where the dog wins. I think. So as you mentioned, yes, uh, and I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly, 
Um, unless I can find the pronouncer. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see if I can find the center for the seven foot tall Portugal or Portuguese center and find a pronouncer for his name. It doesn't look like they've given me one. Thanks a lot, Utah State. I believe it's Nemeus Quida. There's no way I'm getting that right. Oh, I'm not. Oh, that's the last time. That I sounds right. He leads the team in scoring uh, with uh, with 15.1 points per game. Uh, he averages a double double in points and 10 rebounds a game. I mean, he's got this 90, is, 90 I, blocks for the year. I, I yeah. Oh look, look. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a a, a hard fought game. Absolutely will. Like 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 I said, I, I don't think unders a, a bad play. Uh, I lean. I'm probably not going to be betting the under, uh, but I lean towards Utah State for that reason. I, I, I don't. I think it's going to be hard for Texas Tech to be dealing with that guy for 40 minutes. It's going to be interesting that that you don't deal with well, with, with bigs quite like that in the Big 12 too much this year. I mean, they're competent. There's some. Bigs, I mean, the, the, yeah. the key is this kid's competent. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not just um, you know some big that some school is just throwing out there because he's seven footer. The kid can play. Yep, absolutely. Uh, okay, so let's go back to our, our last game on Friday. This one at, at 8.50. Uh, West Virginia and Moorhead State. West Virginia opened as a 12-point favorite. You can get that uh, minus 12.5 or, or plus 13 for Moorhead. Over-under opened at 138. Uh, you can still get at 138, uh, 137.5. Looks like most of the, the tickets, the highest percentage of the bets are coming in on Moorhead State, which I think is the right side. I think West Virginia wins this game, but I do think that's the right side to be on. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? I'm, I'm going to use this game now as a good example of that fade the public stuff we were talking about, right? Okay. Here we have, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's a 14 versus a three. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no. <clears throat> yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, so we have 14 versus a three situation. This is an interesting matchup because Moorhead State, this they play well into sort of what West Virginia does, right? Uh so much of West Virginia's offense is getting to the line. I, I think Moorhead State is literally like uh, the, the least foul or the, or the second least, you know, giving up fouls uh, per game and sending teams to the line. This is going to be really interesting how this is going to play out. Moorhead State, though, they have trouble hanging with good teams. So it's like it's this big puzzle of which way is this going to go. But we're looking at 60% of tickets right now are coming in on Moorhead State. This is a bona fide, trendy underdog situation happening. And it's a Friday night game. It's going to be one of the last games on Friday night. Betters are going to be, you know, jumping in, loading up. We're going to hear this narrative all week. Moorhead State can hang. Moorhead State's going to give West Virginia trouble. Now, we're sitting at 12 and a half. If a sharp group or two come in and push this out to 13, 13 and a half, and you have every talking head on TV talking about Moorhead State's going to hang, it's like something's fishy, right? That's a situation where I'm looking to maybe fade a trendy underdog. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just telling you where we sit right now, this is set up to be one of those situations. So when we were talking about teams that could lose, this is a situation where I think Moorhead State is live to actually win this game. A lot of things need to break their way. A lot of things need to go right, but as far as a non-conference matchup and a scrappy underdog is concerned, this is a spot where we could see West Virginia not able to play to their strengths. And if Moorhead State hangs around and we've got a game with four or five minutes to go, you know, I, I think you could see 
a pretty a, a nice day one upset and a bracket buster, so to speak. Now, in the betting sense, I have no play yet on this. I'm just going to sit and wait for what we just talked about. I'm going to wait and see if this turns into a, a trendy underdog situation, and I'll probably go the other way and take the Mountaineers in the betting sense. Um, okay, so we move over to Saturday, first Big 12 game of the day there. is Kansas versus Eastern Washington. Kansas opened as 11.5-point favorite. That's down to about 10.5. Uh, let's see. Let's Yeah, down to 10.5. Uh, over, under, opened at 142. That's been bet up to 146. Uh, most of the tickets, the majority of the bets are coming in on the over, uh, as well as on, on Eastern Washington. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I have bet Eastern Washington. I bet them right when it opened. This is a meaningful line move to me. Of We've got some books now at a flat 10. There's still plenty of 10 and a halfs out there. I wouldn't be surprised if this gets down into the single digits, like a nine or a nine and a half. And those are meaningful, smart line moves by, by big groups. If you know, you're talking a Kansas team that Joe public's going to want to bet and they opened at 11 and a half and that's you know, 10, nine and a half or even nine. That's a really big move and a meaningful move for a first round game for a team. No one's heard of first Kansas. So um, I have bet Eastern Washington. I think they're going to be live. I think we're going to have a great game. Even though that line is now out at 146, I wouldn't be opposed to sprinkling the over. I don't love it. You know, I just always hate telling people to take lines after something's moved three, four, five points. You know, it's like the good numbers are gone. But if you're sitting at home and you got a fire, uh, I, you know, I don't know why this is, this is just a knee jerk thing. I feel like anytime you have an under with Kansas, you just, you feel so screwed in those last two or three minutes when like <laughs> everyone just combines for 27 points and just totally blows your numbers. So <laughs> I think the overs live, but I will be betting Eastern Washington. Yeah. That, that's an interesting one for me. Obviously we know that Jalen Wilson is going to miss that first game, probably the whole first weekend due to COVID protocols. Uh, Bill self believes that they should have David McCormick and Tristan and Runa back. They both missed the big 12 tournament. I will see, uh, see what happens there. I think, Getting McCormick back is big for Kansas, and if they're going to make a run in the tournament or not, I don't know how. I mean, obviously, we don't know how much they've been able to practice or play, or if they're going to be hopping right in. So I, I, I do think I'm staying away from the spread in this one. I, I'll, I probably bet the over. I'm staying. McCormick. Say he's supposed they, to. Be back. They kind of said when when they'll announce if he's playing or not, or game time, or what's his deal. Uh, from the quote from from uh, we expect to have them back unless something happens. That's that's pretty much what Bill Self said. So, gotcha. Okay. Um, I would expect McCormick and Inaruna are back. I think that pushes Kansas to to cover this, but it's not like we haven't seen Kansas struggle in the first and early rounds of the NCAA tournament, you know, many times before. So, I'm I'm staying away from this one. I think Kansas wins, but I don't feel comfortable with where the line is at the moment. Um, okay, we got a we got an old Big Twelve matchup in Oklahoma and Missouri. OU opens a two point favorite according to action. I think there's just a little bit closer to a pickup uh, that's down to pretty much it's still pretty much two or one and a half depending on where you look uh, over under we open at 141 it's, it's kind of hung around there i see it at uh 141 so i'm curious i, I have a hard time with this game because it, it it does feel more like a pick 'em 
the two teams kind of trending in their own directions. Uh, Oklahoma has lost, I think, five of their last six. Missouri's pretty much at 500. They've had some bad, they've had more bad losses than Oklahoma as far as the, the opponent they have faced in the last month or so. But Oklahoma, I think, has lost more games. Uh, most of the money is on the under, um, and there is more on Missouri plus two than there is Oklahoma minus two. But I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this one. Yeah, this is actually a spot I really like here for Oklahoma. Uh, if things hold the way they are, I'm going to be betting Oklahoma. Um, I think a few weeks ago we talked about them on a, on a pod that I liked them for this tournament. You can get them now at 125 to one. Uh, I, I just bet them at 125 to one a few days ago to win the entire tournament. Um, I think that's a live bet, man. I mean, do I think the Sooners win the national championship? No, I do not. Do I think they should be priced at like 50 to one, 60 to one. Yes, I do. So uh, 125 to one, which I think is still pretty available. Uh, I, I like that bet for this game in particular. There's some key things that I like going on here. So they're getting about 40% of the bets. So they're a favorite, you know, getting a pretty low ticket percentage. If that gets down into the thirties, I mean, you've got a full blown, everyone's on Missouri situation going on. Uh, you know, if you get 37, 38% of the tickets on Oklahoma, here's some important things that I see with this line. It opened at minus two. Everyone's on Missouri right now. The line is still minus two. Pinnacle even has a juiced up minus two and ACE, which isn't necessarily a sharp book, but it's a book. A lot of people play. They're out of two and a half. No one has come in and moved this line towards Missouri, even though everybody's betting it. And you go look for sharp moves. Nothing's happened for Missouri. So this is a nice little situation where, you know, if this, these numbers sort of hold the way they are, I'm definitely going to be on Oklahoma. If this goes out to two and a half or three across the board by Saturday night, Oklahoma all day. Like, you feel great about that play. Fire away. But it's telling and meaningful that, you know, books have opened limits. That two has stayed two or gotten more expensive, even the ones of laundry. Something's up. I love it. Yeah. Sooners, baby. Yeah, it's always weird to me when you see majority of the bets on one team, but the line doesn't move their way. It really, it's like when I see that I am enticed to put, I am enticed to go with the favorite that has the fewer bets, but the line hasn't moved. Like, I, and I don't know if that's something where it, okay, so let, let me a question. It, is that what some people would view it as? Is like, and, and does Vegas know that? Like, is that a situation where Vegas knows kind of what people are think might be thinking and is playing, kind of playing the odds in that you know, in some way? You know, people love to. Me too. I, I love to get caught up into it too, right? Oh, you know, Vegas knew. Vegas knows what the <laughs> totals. Yeah, you know, right. We all. It's just fun. It's fun to do as betters. But I, I think, I think, truthfully speaking, that. You know, the minus, you know, we'll say that line is right. Minus two is right. Let's just say um, Vegas hasn't had enough what we'll call sort of respected money step up and say, nope, the line is wrong. You know, we're going to go with Missouri. So, so Vegas hasn't had enough of that. They've had what we'll just say sort of Joe P dollars come in on Missouri all day long for whatever reason. And I think Vegas just simply likes to say, hey, you know what? We're going to stand pat. We like where we're at. The information we've received from sharp accounts and sharp betters tells us that we probably 
made the line correct. And that's okay that everyone's going Missouri's way. We're just going to stay where, right where we are and let the game play how it will be. I don't think it's any sort of thing of they know or Vegas is going to make the call or anything like that. They've made their line. The smart players have placed their bets and Vegas likes where they're sitting. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to wait and see if that line moves toward Missouri at all. I I, I, I feel more confident in Oklahoma at this point, but I, I just want to – it's one of those games where if I if this could get down to one and a half or one, then – or, oh, my goodness, even a, a pick em, give me OU. Um, okay, last one, Texas and Abilene Christian. This one's interesting to me. It opened at eight and a half. It's still eight and a half. It opened mm-hmm. with an over-under of, of what I see is 140. It's at 140 and a half. It hasn't really moved. There's just not a lot of, of bets coming in on this one, or have it been pretty even so nothing's really changed much? Yeah, there's not a lot of narrative. Um, you know, there's there's been no sharp moves. Again, we're looking at a situation where more or less the line is right, you know, you know and you, you don't have – respected accounts or, or sharp accounts or whatever you want to call them coming in and, and taking either side for them to move that line. Uh, Shaka, you know, our, our coach down there in Texas, I mean, and always correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I, I know the big 12, but I don't know the big 12, right? <laughs> you, you guys, you know, you're running the show in my life when it comes to big 12 information. <laughs> <laughs> so um He's been a favorite both times, at least the line he's gone off as a favorite in his two other trips to, to uh, NCAA tourney. And he lost straight up both times. Is that right? He's 0-2 as a, as a Texas coach. Uh, and I believe one time he was like a minus four, lost straight up. I mean, I guess I could pull it up. And I guess, you know, so what way does the narrative go here? Is it uh, – is there going to be a letdown from the Big 12 tournament even? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, so he lost to Northern Iowa as a four-point favorite mm-hmm. back in 16 and lost to Nevada in 18 as a very small favorite. Basically, they pick him, but he's minus one. So what's going to happen against Abilene Christian? I don't know. There's nothing I really love on this game. Where it sits right now, if the line was to hold and Texas was to have the majority of bets, I'd probably lean towards Abilene Christian. Just a little bit of maybe a letdown angle from the big 12 tourney and uh, you know, just how he's done historically in this tournament as a favorite anyway, sort of both of those things, plus a line freeze, plus people more on Texas. I would lean towards Abilene Christian. Obviously, Daniel, you have, uh, you have joined our, our bracket pool over at, 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 at sleeper brackets is the 10, 12 podcast uh, pool that we have put out. Our, the link is available. You can find that on our Twitter account pinned to the top at 10, 12 podcast. Um, so I, for those who maybe don't join, just listen to the podcast and don't can't find the link. Um, who do you like in the tournament this year? Who's your final four and, and, and who's your champion? Uh, I've got Gonzaga winning the whole thing. Uh, it's I just I can't picture a scenario where any of their draw beats them. I mean, look, do crazy things happen? Of course, right? That's why everyone loves this tournament. One and done. You have a bad night, forget it. But you know, if this thing was to play out a hundred times. I think Gonzaga wins at 60, 65 times, like literally that high. I, I think there might even be value on them at what can you get them at plus 150 or something like that to win the tournament. That might even be a valuable bet at this point. You, you might have, you know, you can't really roll over the money line because you don't win crap your first two rounds, 
rolling the money line on them. So uh, I just think they're such a good team. I think Houston also has a pretty good draw. I, I think my finals in our, Hey, everyone go sign up for our bracket. Join mm -hmm. us. Uh, if, if you can jump in. Uh, it's such a cool setup that we have for, uh, uh, you know, for the podcasts pick and bracket. I love it. So of course I'm going to win, but I've got Houston and Gonzaga, I think, with a total of 151 as my tiebreaker for the whole thing. Right. Some dogs that I'd like to maybe make a little bit, bit of noise. I like uh, Santa Barbara uh, to maybe go a few rounds. They, got, they, they draw Creighton in the first round. Santa Barbara is quietly an awesome team this year that isn't getting talked about at all. Uh, if that line gets down to six and a half or six, which it was for briefly for a second uh, yesterday. I think Santa Barbara wins that game straight up, but I, I've got them to make a little bit of noise in the tournament. And then I think the trendy, the big trendy underdog is Winthrop. I think everyone's right. I don't yeah. know if I mean, yeah. They, they, everyone's saying, right. Nova's tired. Nova sucks. Or, you know, well, their, best, their best players is, uh, is out for the year. They right. The so it's like, so. everyone's just saying oh, they're going to win that game. And, I don't know. I, I, you know, could they make some noise? I have no idea. But Gonzaga and Houston, give it to me. You, you are much higher on Houston than I am, my friend. Much higher, my friend. Um, yeah. So for everybody who wants to join our bracket challenge, we will have prizes for first, second, and third place. And yes, that even let's put it this way: the top three non myself, Daniel, Chris, uh, Andy, and Jamie. Point getters will all get a prize. We've got prizes for the top three that aren't uh, podcast participants. That includes whoever has the best score that's not the five of us. Uh, if you want, you get five minutes on the show. It feels like a fun prize giveaway. Uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, if you do, do so now. If you don't, do so now. We have the link pinned to the top so that you can sign up. The link is also here in the podcast notes. However you listen to the podcast, scroll down in the information about the episode and you'll see join the 1012 Bracket Challenge on Sleeper Brackets. You can click the link there and join us. We've got 24 uh, people who are in so far, including the five of us, and, and this can, list continues to grow, so come join us. I think we're going to have, have a lot of fun, man. March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the MyBookie Bracket Contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes, and it's only a dollar to enter. That's one dollar. Doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for players and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag. Use promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code 1012 to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL. No matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip-off to buzzer, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. So visit MyBookie.ag today with promo code 1012. Right, so of course, it's Thursday. The first round is tonight, and I do think that's going to matter. We'll explain why coming up here in a, in a little bit. So there's not a lot of time left to get your brackets filled out. So to help, if you have questions or you filled out 10 and you're just not sure that you've gotten the right one yet, very excited to have Brian Ralph of Heat Check College Basketball joining us today uh, to help with some 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 bracketology or just, I don't know the right word for how to 
put your bracket together, just in bracket assistance, because um, I think there we could all use a little bit of help. Brian, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Okay. So, well, some Big 12 focus here, and mostly just kind of bracket in general. Mm-hmm. By the way, shouts to Brian here. Uh, Brian is has a bracket in our bracket pool, the 10 bracket pool. So if, if you guys would like to see how your bracket stacks up against Brian's, make sure and join uh, join our, our bracket pool. You can find the link on our Twitter account at 1012podcast or hit us up on, at 1012pod on Instagram and we will DM you the link. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm interested to see how my bracket matches up with yours. Now, you have your, your bracket up on your Twitter account as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pull it up so we can keep an eye on it. I want to start with this. Now, I have every one seed in the Sweet 16 that feels like, that just feels right to me. Yep. Right? And I really have every two seed to the Sweet 16 as well. This just as feels like a year, and I'm curious your perspective on this, where the seeds, the lower seeds, the 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, are not as strong as we normally have seen in years past. Do you feel like that's accurate, or is that maybe... Only accurate for the 15s, 16s. I, I like, look, I, we've had a 16 beat a one, so we can no longer say you should never pick that to happen. I still wouldn't mm. pick that to happen, especially this year. But it doesn't feel like the lower seeds this year's tournament are as good as in years past. They are in the let's go 10 to 13 range. Okay. But I, I, I don't foresee, and of course, because I say this, I'm sure one's going to happen. I don't <laughs> foresee a, a ton of like, 14 over three or 15 over two upsets. Like there's not those kind of games that can knock those top seeds out. And one thing we saw this season is that there was a pretty clear gap between Gonzaga and Baylor, the top tier. And then there was sort of a a second tier that emerged with the top six and then a, let's say top 13 that had separated themselves from everybody else. The bottom half of the top 25 pool during the season felt like a constant rotation of teams. The ones in the top 13 kind of rotated, but they stayed among the top 13. The bottom half kept cycling out. So because of that, there are some pretty, like the eight, nine teams are good, but have very obvious flaws. Seven, 10 teams tend to have good upside, but also have some very obvious downside. Uh, Look at the bracket here. One of them's Clemson and Rutgers. Both of them at times have quality wins but I don't think anybody has any confidence in either of those teams right now. So because of that, you, the one seeds, two seeds, three seeds, for the most part, I, I think are going to avoid the really tough second round test because they're not there. There are, are some like UNC is playing a little bit better. So if Baylor ends up playing UNC in the second round in the region, that could be an issue, but there, there is a pretty clear separation among those top three top four seeds in each region and everyone else uh and so i think i have of my sweet 16 14 teams that are one through four there are two wild cards in there um but this is a tournament that should have a lot of upsets in the first round and then get pretty chalky as we move on yeah that's that's kind of been what i've i've thought i've I've tried to avoid too many big upsets early there are two i want to talk to you about the OU Missouri, these are two teams that have beaten. I mean, Missouri's beaten Illinois. Uh, Missouri and Oklahoma have both beaten Alabama. Like some of their, their claim to fame is that they've beaten those teams, but they've fallen off at the end of the season here. Of either of those, does it, I mean, Gonzaga's beaten everybody on their schedule, and they've beaten yeah. two of the teams that are in their region in Virginia and Iowa. 
it doesn't feel like they present a, a challenge to here's my deal i feel like with all the eight eight nine matchups in the one seeds there are teams that are going to challenge the one seeds in the second round but i have a hard mm-hmm. time seeing any of the one seeds losing even michigan who's down their big player whose name escapes me if they have to face like an lsu who seems like they might kind mm-hmm. of be hot right now yeah that that guy from michigan is isaiah livers and i do think if the first one seed to go out is going to be Michigan because either livers is not going to play or he's not going to be hundred percent. And throughout the last two years, he has been their most important player, not necessarily the best player, but their most important player from a matchup standpoint, what he gives you inside and out offensively leadership wise. LSU and say Bonaventure are, are two teams that can knock them off in the second round, depending on, on how they go. I have Michigan advancing in the Sweet 16 before losing. If, if they were healthy, I think Michigan is a pretty clear walk to the Final Four, but they're not. And so I do think they are the most vulnerable of those top seeds. But, yeah, the, the go, if you want to talk about Oklahoma, Missouri, and a lot of the other 8-9 eight, nine, nine, eight, nine matchups, all of those teams, I think, have the ability to – contend or challenge the top seed for let's say 30 minutes give or take the difference is the top seeds have shown uh, particularly Gonzaga and Baylor and Illinois and Illinois over the last month or so have shown that extra gear they can get to that nobody else can and that's going to come into play because all all of those top seeds have been tested all of them have beaten teams like the eight nine teams are going to play and we've seen them kick it into that gear at a certain point in the second half. And so I, I fully expect that to happen again. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, like I said, I have all the ones making the Sweet 16 and all the twos making the Sweet 16. But the, the longer and longer I think about things, I'm, I'm it just doesn't – that happens most of the time. It's mm-hmm. weird to pick one of them to lose early. But I'm getting really hung up on them, and I asked about this one specifically. With, with UConn getting Booknight back mm-hmm. and then playing so much better with him, you have Alabama beating UConn in the second round. Ooh. I have Alabama beating UConn in the second round. But teams have shown the formula for how to beat Alabama. UConn is playing healthy again. If there's one potential second round upset that's just like, if I'm going to pick one, that's it. That's the one to me that seems the most likely. If you had to pick a two seed getting upset before the Sweet 16, what is the matchup that you would be most scared of? That one is interesting because there is a very real possibility of, of Boog Knight going off and Alabama having an off shooting night because Alabama, for as good as their defense is, and a lot of people don't realize this, but they have the second most efficient defense in the country, according to Ken Palm. It's Loyola Chicago one, Bama two. And a lot of people think of Alabama as an offensive team, but their defense is excellent where they've been hot and cold this year has been their shooting because they are a team that is sore line on three point shooting. So if they are off and Boog Knight does all American things like he, like he is lottery pick things like he is there, there's a very real possibility of that happening. Uh, the other one I would look at would be, I, I picked VCU over Oregon. So I would say VCU over Iowa simply because VCU is a team who will keep pace with Iowa, that would be a game where it's, you know, first to 90 wins. Um, and their defense and when they turn teams over could make Iowa uncomfortable. And if they get Luca Garza in foul trouble, uh, which is a big if, but it is something that has happened for Garza um, 
more than normal over the past month and a half or so, they have more athletic guards than Iowa does. And that could pose some problems. So I, I don't think a two seed loses before the Sweet 16. I'm with you there. But those would be the two I would look at as intriguing matchups where there could be an upset. Iowa don't play defense, folks. I'll keep saying it on the show. Iowa <laughs> doesn't play defense. So when it, you either outscore them or just get a few stops and you might have a chance there. Let's talk Big 12 teams just for a second here. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma is in the 8-9 game. It's a close game. It's, it's, I mean, literally when they, they, they listed their, their teams in order, Oklahoma is the last eight seed. Missouri is the first nine seed. So they're right there. Set Oklahoma aside because it's an eight and nine game and it can go either way. Mm-hmm. Everyone else for the Big 12 is a six seed or better. Mm-hmm. I, when I first sat down and we talked about this on the show on Monday, I was like, I have like every Big 12 team winning their first game. And the more I think about it, maybe I'm overthinking it. It just doesn't seem realistic. I, I can't see all seven teams winning their first game. It's just not, it doesn't. Mathematically, that doesn't make sense. Um, even though all seven teams are upper upper half seeds, right? Mm-hmm. Oklahoma aside, of the other six, is there one that you look at and say, this is the one I would be most scared of getting upset in the first round? Um, that's a big sigh. <laughs> um, I know, honestly. Okay. I, I, as I'm looking at my bracket, I think Oklahoma is also the only team I have losing in the first round. Uh, and I uh, think... Nope, hold up. I got your bracket in front of me. You have the one I thought you might say. And it's Utah State beating Texas Tech. Yes, sorry. Okay, yep. Looking at that, yeah. So I, I did a little bit of research on this game. Well, I, I first instinctually picked Utah State because the one thing you can count on Texas Tech doing is losing close games. That is what they have <laughs> <Yes>. done. <laughs> All season. And I'm tired of Texas Tech fans being like, we're just really unlucky. No, three, two or three times you're unlucky. Many times you can't close games. My co-host, Connor Hope, um, for my podcast, Soak and Ralph, presented by Heat Check CBB, says it best where they have, Texas Tech has the best almost wins in the country. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to Quality losses too. over quality yeah. wins, yes. Yeah. So if it's a closed game, there is that that comes into play. But also, Texas Tech is not a team that shoots a lot of threes. They rely on getting to the rim, finishing around the paint. Um, I think they are bottom 50 in the country, if I'm not mistaken, in the amount of points they get from three. Utah State is one of the top 10 teams in the country at defending the paint and defending inside the arc, largely because a center, uh, their center, Nemus Keda, who you mentioned before, mm-hmm. people thought he'd be in the NBA right now. And he's not. He is one of the nation's leading shot blockers. Um, he anchors that defense and plays a big part in the reason why they are so good defending inside the arc. So that sort of strength on weakness matchup in favor of Utah State, plus the fact that I, I think it'll be a close game, I could see Utah State winning this. But now that I have you've reminded me of that, uh, I do have the rest of the Big 12 making the Sweet 16. Nemus is a third in the country in blocks per game at 3.2. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got 90 blocks total, which would, I believe, be the, the second most total um, this season. Yes, only uh, a guy who plays for St. Peter's, whose name I'm Casey, not going to try it, has 91. Um, Kita has 90. 
I do think that's the that's the concern for Texas. Texas Tech feels like a team that's going to lose in the first round or find a way to make it to the Sweet 16. Like I don't I, that, mm. I, that's and I love Arkansas and I live in Arkansas and I'm I'm happy for Arkansas but you know whatever. That one. I, I tried to think of other ones. I I don't see OSU losing to Liberty. I don't think Texas loses to Abilene Christian. I don't think West Virginia mm. loses to Moorhead State, but you could try and talk me into it. Kansas, that game that game in particular um Moorhead State is one of the worst teams in the country in terms of the amount they turn the ball over. So having a, a team like that go up against West Virginia, and I know West Virginia is not uh, the press Virginia of old, but they will still turn you over. So having that defense against a team that turns it over a lot doesn't bode well for an upset. It could get ugly. Um, if Kansas loses, it won't be in the first round that the, my concerns for them come in the second round. Um, so I, I agree. It feels like uh, the guy I have Oklahoma beating Missouri. I think it's a close game. It, I can see it going either way. I'm just going to go with Oklahoma because I paid more attention to them. Um, but if I had to pick another one, it would be Texas Tech. So yeah, I think I think yep. we're getting there. Um, one one thing, um, just bracket wise, I think I mentioned something about this on a show previously. I can't remember what I mentioned on the show. What I just like talk about and what just rolls through my head throughout the week. But I have a typical rule when I fill out a bracket. When I fill out a bracket. I go find the non-16 seed play-in games, and I always mm-hmm. pick one to win an extra game. Because in my head, I'm like, I feel like this happens every single year. So yesterday, I took the time to go back and look. The first four started in 2011, right? And that's the big, it, it was so cool because VCU was in the first four as an 11 seed, mm-hmm. and they make it all the way to the final four. Every year, with the exception of 2019, one of the non-16 seed First four teams won at least one more game. One game in the full in the round of 64. 2011 is VCU going to the Final Four. 2012, it was 12 seed USF making the round of 32. 2013 was 13 seed LaSalle going to the Sweet 16. 2014 was Tennessee to the Sweet 16. Uh, 2015 was Dayton to the round of 32. 2016, which, which point is la 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 la. Now, most of them lose in the next game, but with the exception of 2019, one of the First four non-16 seed teams has won an extra game. In that case this year, there's two, as always, uh, the winner of Wichita State, Drake, versus USC, or the winner of Michigan State, UCLA, versus BYU. I know which one I have picked in my bracket. I'm curious, of those, which do you see being the most likely, and which team do you see that actually being? Michigan State. And it feels almost unfair for Michigan State to be in this position, given their roster talent, but given their season, this is this is sort of where they belong. Um, they have been red hot over the last month. Have have you know didn't close out as strong as they looked maybe a couple weeks ago. They lost their in the Big Ten tournament in their first game to Maryland. Didn't look overly overwhelming in that game, but they are a team that is playing much better defensively has established a a, a go to guy in Aaron Henry who has stepped up and become that guy for them. Joshua Langford being a really reliable number two, and they kind of go as Henry goes because they need that go-to guy offensively. The the guy who has not replaced Cassius Winston, but if you remember last season, this was a team that was Cassius Winston and everybody else. And this year they were still everybody else without a leader like Cassius Winston to go to. Henry over the last month kind of took over that mantle and became that guy to funnel things through offensively. And that was when we saw them really turn their season around. If he can be that guy, I think they'll cruise past UCLA. And then there's 
round of 64 matchup against BYU. BYU is a good team, uh, but Michigan State is a bad matchup for them because Michigan State has the size to go up against their front line and has more athletic guards. So that would be that would be the team I'd be looking. Yeah, Michigan State over that last month beat Illinois, one seed. Ohio State, two seed. Michigan, one seed. As well as Indiana, yeah, they lost to Maryland uh, twice in, in that month, which is weird, but whatever. You know, yep. <laughs> sometimes teams just have your number. So yeah, and they've been one of the hottest teams down the stretch and played their way into the tournament. That's the same team I have is is Michigan State winning and mm-hmm. moving on now. I, because okay, so I want to I want to do this. Um, I want to go Big Twelve team by Big Twelve team, and I want to know how far you think they actually go. And I'm going to tell you how far I think okay. they go. And then I'm going to make sure that my bracket actually reflects that because I'm still tinkering with it because I'm allowed to because that's how it works. Um, Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, first round loss. I okay. it's going to be it's going to be a close game. I think we've talked about it on this podcast before. Outside of that three-game stretch Oklahoma beat Kansas, Texas, and Alabama. They have been very average. And Missouri is an average team as well, but um, I trust Missouri a little bit more overall. I I would argue that OU's rough end of the season included better losses than Missouri's rough stretch at the end of the season, even though Missouri Mm -hmm. had more wins, if that makes sense. So again, it's, it's, it's Potato, potato kind of situation of which one do you just like better? So I Correct. agree. Uh, Kansas, how far do you have them going? I have them going in the Sweet 16. Um, that changes depending on their COVID situation and who they have available. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, David McCormack, it looks like, is going to be able to play this weekend. And so with that, I feel comfortable. I think they'll beat Eastern Washington no matter what. With And with McCormack, I feel comfortable in them going up against USC in a potential second-round matchup with him against Evan Mobley. So, because of that, I have them in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I'm, 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 I agree. Though I'm, I'm struggling with the Kansas USC. There's something about that that just feels very. I, let's put it this way: Kansas I, loss. I'm, I'm with you, but I also trust Bill Self a lot more than I trust Andy Enfield. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, Texas. I also have Sweet 16. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I have them losing Alabama. I think Bama just a little too much uh, but Abilene Christian could be a tougher test and I think some people think they play some really intense defense but they can't match Texas size because nobody can um, so I have Texas and then if Michigan State beats BYU Texas suddenly gets a 11 seed in the second round Michigan State I don't think has strung together three consecutive wins all but one time since December this year and I don't expect that to be the case again so I think Texas makes it to the Sweet 16 fairly comfortably, but not dominant, uh, and then loses to Alabama. Fair enough. I, I think that's fine. I, I, I can't decide if Texas makes the Sweet 16 or makes the Final Four. because I, That's it's the there. one region that is the most up in the air to me and the one I have the most trouble with. Okay, uh, Baylor. I have Baylor in the championship game, and I have them losing against Gonzaga. Very good. I, I I don't know if I have to explain them getting there because for, <laughs> no. for the season for the season they have been you know, one of one of those top teams. I I think Gonzaga's just been a little bit more consistent this year. I like Gonzaga even before Baylor went on that COVID pause. So even if, even if they get back to that level of play, I just think this Gonzaga team is 
extremely special. Uh, and I do think that would be a, a heck of a game, but I don't, I think Baylor gets there, but loses. Uh, Texas Tech, I think, as we discussed, you have them upset the first yep. round at Utah State. I, even if they get past Utah State, I, I have a hard time seeing them beat Arkansas. I think Arkansas is, Arkansas has what, what Texas Tech does not, which is multiple scoring options. Yes. Whereas Texas Tech is Mac McClung. And look, if Mac McClung goes turbo, then maybe they make a run. I just, I have a hard time. Yeah, not out of the realm of possibility at all. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State. I have, this is the team I probably struggle with the most of the Big 12 because I have them in the Sweet 16 losing to Illinois. Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if they beat Illinois. Okay. But Um, stop, pause, pause, pause. (laughs) Um, Illinois is a matchup nightmare for Oklahoma State. So you're going to have to explain this one to me. They're a matchup nightmare in the sense of Kofi Coburn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kofi Coburn doesn't always stay on the court. And he can be, if you play at a higher tempo, his, his impact can be limited. So I, I, you get in this a situation where if Cade Cunningham can outplay Ayo Sumo, which is a very real possibility, and if Avery Anderson or Isaac Likely can outplay Andre Cabello, which is also very likely, then Illinois would need Coburn to be great. And Coburn is a lot of times really, really good. But he hasn't really been a guy who has carried them to a win. So if you get them in that situation, the potential is there for Oklahoma State. I do have Illinois winning, so I'm with you. But I do think it'll be one of those extremely entertaining, extremely exciting let's get down to the last two minutes and see what happens kind of games. I'm going to tell you right now, if any of Drexel, Loyola, Chicago, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Oregon State, or Liberty rob us of the Illinois-Oklahoma State Sweet 16 matchup, I am going to be forever pissed off that we do not get to watch Brad Underwood versus Mike Boynton, Cade Cunningham versus I I just, if we don't get the storylines, the matchups, the teams, the shades of orange, uh, it will be the most watched Sweet 16 matchup if that one if that yes. one happens. And I swear, forget my Oklahoma State fandom. Set it aside. If we don't get that matchup, there's just uh, we will be robbed. We will be we robbed. Will. We deserve it after a two year wait for this tournament. Okay, last one. Watch Virginia. I have them in the Elite Eight, uh, mm-hmm. same region. Also losing Illinois. I have Illinois in the Final Four. Um, talked about Morehead State. Don't think Morehead State's going to give them an issue. San Diego State doesn't have the offense to keep up in that potential second-round matchup. And then you get a game against Houston, where Houston is a good team, but is not a team who has consistently played well against top competition. They have a, a non-conference win over Texas Tech, and that's about it. And recently, they've lost Wichita State, lost ECU, struggled twice with Memphis. Um, I, I think West Virginia could win that game by you know, eight points, and have it not really be in doubt. So I, I have West Virginia going to the Elite Eight and then losing to Illinois. Should Houston really be a two seed? I I don't think so, but I also don't know who you would feel comfortable replacing them with. Texas? Potentially? I think, yeah. I do think that is fair. Um, I, I would... I would argue Texas. I would have argued, and I hate 
here's, here's what bothers me. It feels like the the conference tournaments didn't have nearly as big an impact on seeding as I feel like they normally do or typically because mm-hmm. the full season metrics played very heavily into the decision-making process as to the yes. seeding, which I, I am a believer in metrics. I'm a believer in stats. The problem with the predictive metrics is predictive metrics love Texas Tech and they can't close out games. Predictive metrics hate Oklahoma State and they mm-hmm. do. And there is some amount of like, you should probably watch the, I hate eye test, but there's, you should probably watch the teams to understand some of this, right? Yeah. The and way the, so, the way the selection committee des- described it was that they used a lot of the eye test and resume to determine who got in. And mm-hmm. then if there were questions about seeding, use the predictive metrics to determine that aspect. So it's essentially be a tiebreaker in the seeding standpoint. And so that's Which, why... Then how is Loyola an eight? Because they should be like a six if we're going to play it that way. Like, I, but, I don't I don't believe them because because that's, that doesn't even hold water with where teams ended up seeding-wise in things. Mm-hmm. Because I understand Houston's stats and where they were in the net ranking. You, right. you said it. Their resume is they got a win over Texas Tech. They played in a kind of crummy AAC. I know that they... I just... I, I don't understand it. Props to yeah. them, but I don't understand it. Um, I could argue Texas was a better candidate for a two seed. Um, you could. I could argue Arkansas was a better candidate for a two seed with the thing with the wins that they have. So I, I just, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the the Loyola thing, like Loyola and Colgate were both top ten in that, but neither of them had great. Um, like overall resumes. Sure. And so I, I think the metrics came down to if there was a, like a cluster of teams that they were looking at in a particular set. Um, I'm not agreeing with you that it's correct because I, I, I think a very real argument could be made for Texas. I like that point, but they weren't going strictly off of net. It's, it's pretty clear. Which is fine. It shouldn't be. It just feels right. like it. It, oh, yeah. was, it was a situation of like, well, it's the argument that always happens. We're going to pick and choose when to use certain stats to benefit the things that we think, and yep. as opposed to a standard line of deviation between. Okay, well, this is the hard fast rule, and I understand that it's hard with hard fast rules, but like, we're going to use this amount of this, this amount of this, and this amount of this for every team. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, okay, well, we think Houston's a two seed, so their metrics, predictive metrics justify that. But we think this right. team is this seed, so their predictive metrics uh, justify that. It's like, okay, well. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> also, we put OSU as a four seed, so we can try and have Illinois OSU as a Sweet 16 matchup because we wanted that because of dollar bills. So that's fine. I understand. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I know I'm not. Um, hey, we, we had a conversation in October about if yep. Oklahoma State would be here. So they would be in the Illinois am, region. I am happy that that Oklahoma State is in. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm hoping. Okay, uh, you have Gonzaga over Baylor. You have Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, Alabama as your final four. Mm-hmm. We all think Michigan's the most vulnerable. Yep. It feels like everything's going to be really chalky, and the middle is going to be a mess. That that feels the rest right this year. Set Michigan aside. Mm-hmm. Which other one seed? Because everyone's brackets pretty much Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and insert team from the East you think could get there. Mm-hmm. Texas, Bama, Florida State, maybe Michigan, whatever be it. Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois. Of those three other one seeds that pretty much consensus has in their final four, which of those three is the most vulnerable to actually losing a game before them? Illinois. 
they're going to have the toughest test. I think even of Michigan, Michigan, the toughest path of any one seed to get to the final four. Uh, Drexel, they'll handle Drexel, but Drexel is probably the toughest 16 seed. And then you either get Loyola Chicago, a top 10 net team with the nation's best defense, or the ACC tournament champs and Georgia Tech, both of whom play excellent defense. And Illinois is not a team. Illinois is fairly turnover prone and has not played a ton of teams that force turnovers at a high clip. So if you get into a situation where you're playing a pressure defense like Georgia Tech or an elite defense like Loyola Chicago, that could come into play. So you have that and then the Oklahoma State matchup, which we've talked about already, and then a either matchup against West Virginia or Houston in the Elite Eight, two quality teams, two quality defenses, uh, two teams with, with stars. And so would you be surprised if Illinois lost to West Virginia or Houston? I, I wouldn't be. I, I don't think I'd be surprised if they lost to Oklahoma State. I, you could make an argument for either Georgia Tech or Loyola to beat them in the second round. Um, I don't, again, I have Illinois in the final four, so I don't think that'll happen. But after that Drexel game, you can make a legitimate case for every team that they're probably going to face. That's wild. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm so torn between Illinois and Gonzaga winning it all. I think that's, that's where I am with Illinois. And I'm going to have an article just, that is, by the time you listen to this, is going to be up on heatxbb.com. Uh, five reasons why Gonzaga is the only team you should pick to win the national championship. All right. So I think I'm going to change my pick back to Gonzaga because that's 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 where I flip back and forth between is Gonzaga and Illinois. I'm really torn on which one is going to win. I think those are the two most likely candidates to win this year. Mm-hmm. I think they're, but man, okay, awesome, Brian. As always, appreciate your help with the little bracket breakdown here. Uh, for everybody who wants to, go give Brian a follow on Twitter at BRauf, B-R-A-U-F 33. And, of course, follow Heat Check College Basketball. That's heatcheckcbb.com. Also, heatcheckcbb on Twitter. Uh, and, of course, as a reminder, we have our bracket challenge. You should get entered before the first round tips off on Friday because that's when it all shuts down. Brian's got his bracket in there. See how you match up against his. See if you're smarter than... Brian, myself, Andy, Jamie, everyone else that's in there whose name escapes me because I'm trying to do this and haven't had lunch yet. I'm hungry. Uh, (laughs) Brian, as always, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Podcast Network.